but right here, buddy, that's a tattoo. Wow, that's David Dunham. by Pump Monkey Septic Services. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 13 of the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show. Today is Thursday, November 16th, and the Tigers snap a two-game losing streak and respond with a two-game win streak. I'm your host, Drew Archer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Johnson. How's it going, Matthew? Well, it has been a week for me. Um, I won't get all the way into it, but uh, we weren't even sure if we were recording this episode until like 15 minutes ago. So uh, I told Drew this before we started recording, but I only have 98 words written on my show notes. So I'm sorry. I'm going to do my best. I didn't rewatch the game either. It's all just from <laughs> the one one time watching it in person yeah yeah uh, good thing i got a lot of uh stats here uh i too have not rewatched it uh, i've had a busy day myself i got like 17 things i still have left to do tonight and i was delayed getting home because um not to give away what i do for a living but when i was leaving work um a random child just fell down the stairs and face planted onto the concrete so um had to take care of that before I uh, headed home to record the old college football <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, it, today was probably today was probably the busiest day of my internship so far. Like I had a meeting at nine, a meeting at eleven thirty that I had a presentation in, and I had to film like a shoot in between those two meetings. And then as soon as the other meeting was over, we had like fifteen minutes to take a lunch break, and then. We moved equipment over to the business building to do, like, probably the biggest shoot I've ever been a part of. Like, it was a lot. So, I just got home 20 minutes ago. So, <laughs> yeah, busy times for the nachos and analysis crew. Um, I feel like I've forgotten to do this the last couple of weeks. I used to every single episode give a a rundown of the topics. So, here we go. Here's a rundown of this week's topics. Uh, we're going to review Clemson's 42-21 to victory against Georgia Tech on Military Appreciation Day. Uh, we're going to talk about some notable games. Uh, we'll put notable in quotation marks because Matthew and I, like we've said, have been so busy. I, I think between the two of us, the Clemson game is the only game we watched this past weekend. Um, a little bit different Twitter poll this week, um, and I was curious to, uh, what the response would be uh, with the busyness of this week, uh, I did not have time to come up with something that, that gives four options like we always do with a poll. So this week's poll is in quotation marks and just left it open-ended for people to comment. Uh, and we got a huge response. We're not even going to be able to get to all the comments. But the the poll this week at, uh, at nachos underscore analysis was, what does Clemson have to do to redeem itself in your eyes? for its earlier losses and mistakes uh, these last two weeks of the regular season. So a big response on that. We'll have a lot of comments to read there. We're not going to do a guest interview this week. Uh, we're going to wrap up the regular season next week uh, with a guest. Um, a, a if As long as it works with his schedule and our schedule, it's going to be uh, uh, everybody's favorite Gamecock account on Twitter. Uh, so be ready for that. And, it all, and as always, fact or fiction, uh, Matthew and I will review our Pick'em contest from last week and give out our picks this week uh, before we give out score predictions and discuss the final home game of this season against North Carolina. I can't believe that we're already to this point in the season. It felt like it doesn't feel that long ago that I was driving home on a random Tuesday after a loss uh, at Duke. So um, busy episode. Yeah, this semester has flown by. It's like... I, I feel like just I was keeping track of like kind of how long the semester was going to know when I'm going to end my internship. But uh, 
I feel like just like last week, I was a third of the way through it, and now I have like two weeks left. So, going back quick, um, you sit there in the the dead heat of June and July, just looking forward to football season, and it gets here, and it's gone before you know it. Yeah. Uh, so. Any initial thoughts on this Georgia Tech game before we look at some of the stats, Matthew? No, I mean, overall, this is going to be off the dome, so I'm sorry if I mess up my words, but uh, I'm very impressed with how this game went. I know I picked a pretty close game in our episode, um, but I think the defense played really well, and especially the offense. We have a lot of stats here to read, and that's a good thing, and it hasn't always been the case this season where offense just isn't putting up numbers so uh really excited to get into some of those and just highlight you know some of the players who really stepped up because we had a lot of injuries going on especially in the secondary we had a bunch of true freshman play and I think this is even one of the first stats I'll just go ahead and steal this one from you Drew Clemson had four interceptions in this game and uh matched the program's high under Dabo Sweeney and I believe three of those were by true freshmen maybe all four uh three were true freshmen one was uh redshirt freshman uh griffin so all technically freshmen three are true freshmen i didn't even realize kylan griffin was a redshirt freshman so i, I would have thought he was still a true freshman so but yeah that's a really great game on the defensive side of the ball really wish once we started subbing in our twos and getting you know those experience numbers in towards the end that we could have held them again because 42-14 looks a lot better than 42-21. I don't know if it's just me, but that seven points makes a big difference. It makes it makes the game seem dominating when 42-21 seems a little up in the air. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would have loved to have that last touchdown back. Um, defense continues to uh, be a highlight for this team, especially, as you noted, a lot of these younger freshmen that are filling in for uh our our injured starters so you have to feel good um heading into next year i was listening monday morning uh facts and children's friend of the show he was filling in for mickey plyler monday morning and they were kind of like looking at at next year with with this defense and uh you got a lot of young guys coming back next year that um especially there in the secondary that uh get you excited for for the next season but i think this was the most complete game offensively. I don't know that it was necessarily a complete game, but the most we've seen out of this offense, yeah, last week you beat Notre Dame, uh, but you kind of stalled out there a little bit there in the third quarter. Um, I think it was uh, a good surprise. That I, heading into it, I know you and I talked. This could have been a letdown game. Uh, Clemson's played up and down to its competition all season long. Uh, the two best opponents that it has played uh, – Notre Dame and Georgia Tech, or Notre Dame and Florida State, they got up for those games. Um, but you like to see um, them take care of business this week. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention about your comment about how young the team is and all the young starters and contributors we have right now because of injuries. But I'm starting to get the feeling that Peter Woods and TJ Parker are going to be very similar to that brian brissy and miles murphy tandem where they came in at the same time started as true freshmen and were gone after three years but they were dominant well other than a couple injuries with uh both of them were battling injuries pretty much their whole time but uh maybe peter woods and tj parker are going to be a more talented version of them I, I know that sounds a little crazy to say at this point but uh i think they have the potential to be better yeah, this defense is losing some guys this this offseason. Some people have the option to come back. We'll see if they come back or not. But you have to feel really good about the defensive tackle position uh, with the guys we have there in that unit. Um, so, But we're still here in 2023, so we don't necessarily have to look ahead to 2024 yet. Um, it was a, a great, great day on Saturday, Military Appreciation Day, as we talked about last week. Always one of my favorite games. Um, Matthew's one of Matthew's favorite uniforms there, the uh, all purple. Um, it was always it's always good to be in the valley. Looking forward to being back there this upcoming week, but sad it is the uh, the final time we'll be there this season. 
Yeah, but I do want to say that it's probably been a while since we've had like a very competitive game be the last game that we have at home in a season because we usually, if we're playing at South Carolina, a lot of the times, I can't remember the last time we played a conference opponent right before playing South Carolina, but a lot of the times, maybe, I guess I was going to say 2020, but we didn't play South Carolina then. Um, But yeah, like usually we'll have a cupcake game scheduled right before South Carolina or one of those in-state FCS schools like Citadel or Furman type schools, but uh, it's going to be interesting. This is a really tough stretch of Clemson schedule. I know we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast before, so I won't get too much into it, but it's this is a big test and really is going to be a benchmark of how Clemson started and ended the season. Yeah, can you imagine a month ago finding out that heading into this final home game of the season is a six-and-a-half-point favorite against North Carolina with what we were seeing with our eyes a month ago. Yeah. I mean, even after the Duke game, I guess the Duke game, we were still kind of thinking it could have been a fluke. But, you know, once we got past Syracuse and a couple of teams after that, we were down on this team very bad. And they've really been able to turn it around. I, I really think it was a morale thing. And with the turnovers and fumbles just getting in our own players' heads, but I'm glad to see it seems like we might be past that now. We're still turning the ball over too much, but we're winning games, and that's a big part of it. We weren't winning games early and turning the ball over. Yeah, the uh, what do they call that end of the year award ceremony they do? Do you know out there at the practice facility where they give out all those awards to the team at the end of the year? Ooh, I do not, I cannot remember, but. The Clemmies. Is it the Clemmies? Yeah, it's like Emmys, but with CL in front of it. Okay. Um, does Tyler from Spartanburg get an invite there for? <laughs> is he nominated for MVP? Because uh, uh, don't look now, but since he uh, called Davo, we've uh, seen a big change there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe he gets. Uh, I know there's like a most improved player award, but I wonder if there's like a most improved fan award <laughs> or fan that caused the most improvement. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, uh, shoot Dabo an email for a nomination <laughs> there. Uh, so looking at some of these stats from Saturday's victory, uh, Clemson won its ninth consecutive game against Georgia tech dating back to the 43 to 24 home win back in 2015. Clemson's four interceptions matched the program's high under Dabo Sweeney. It was Clemson's sixth four-interception game of his tenure, uh, and it's first since against Pitt. Uh, also, that game, Clemson wore all purple, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um, Clemson held Georgia Tech to 254 yards, 142 of which came on the Yellow Jackets' final two drives of the game is when you started subbing a lot of guys in. Wait, can we do the math on that one real quick of how much – they had before those last two drives it's like 90 98 92 that's more oh 100 100. yeah it's 110 or 112 112 yeah so going into the final two drives georgia tech had 112 total yards but finished with 254 that's what that's what me and drew were talking about at the beginning of the episode about finishing and we were, I know we were subbing in a lot of young guys, and we were really getting some depth worked on at this point in the game, but uh, you want to see better stuff when you sub in that depth, at least. But, I mean, if you think about it, you had all these true freshmen playing out there as starters on Saturday who are normally backups. So when you bring in the quote-unquote backups this past Saturday, you're looking at some some third and fourth stringers, too. So 11 hamp greens out on the field. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Clemson recorded 465 yards of offense. It was Clemson's 88th 400-yard uh, game since 2015. That's the third most in the nation. I don't quite remember this many fourth down attempts, uh, but the Tigers were four of six Saturday uh, in fourth down attempts. Quarterback Kate Klubnick completed 23 oh, wait, of sorry. 34 passes. Back What's to up? the f- converted four of six fourth down attempts i also don't remember that many fourth down attempts that's i don't know did you watch the uh lions game this sunday 
They beat the Chargers. I did not. Um, Dan, or Dan Campbell went for it, the coach of the Lions, went for it seven times, I believe, in that game on fourth down. And I saw I saw a tweet. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. But it was about how that game was like a Madden game. And like some of the stats that are included in this tweet are pretty funny. Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, three punts the entire game. Uh, wow. Both both teams combined were seven for eight on fourth down. The Lions called a run on fourth and six. It was a halfback draw, and they converted. <laughs> and the last nine drives of the game, like for both teams, were touchdown, 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 game-winning field goal. So this game was... Somebody was playing Madden on Sunday for yeah. this one. Yeah. I also just realized the entire time I was talking, I had the camera on you. I forgot to switch it back, so I'm very sorry for our people on video. <laughs> uh, hopefully, I did not pick my nose at any point during that time. <laughs> I'll just if you did, I'll just black it out. I'll just blur it out or something. <laughs> uh, they're just hearing this random uh, voice from you with yeah. no uh, video. <laughs> Now they get to see how it how it is for me when we record yeah, when Matthew exactly. and I record. He can see he can see me, but I can't see him. So um but uh Kate Klubnick, twenty-three for thirty-four Saturday for two hundred and five yards and a career high tying four touchdown passes. Uh wide receiver Bo Collins caught uh five passes for sixty-five yards with a touchdown. Uh that was the first touchdown of the game, if I uh if I'm remembering correctly. Uh and that first drive there by the Tigers in the second quarter. It lasted nine minutes and 51 seconds of game time and was Clemson's longest scoring drive in school history. It's second longest drive overall, uh, only trailing the 10 minute and two second drive to run the clock out against Alabama in the national championship game in 2018. I still talk about that drive. That was a thing of beauty to hold the ball for three quarters of a quarter and or two thirds of a quarter. And still not even score. You have the ball for 10 minutes, two seconds to to seal the deal against Alabama. Still not score and win. That was one of my favorite Clemson drives of all time. Um, and then Brown caught four, uh, his fourth touchdown pass of the season on a highlight reel, one-handed grab. Uh, I've been seeing all kinds of pictures of that all over social media, but that may have been one of the greatest catches uh, that i ever seen. I remember us going insane when that happened live in yeah. game time. I almost... I didn't even know what to say. Like, I remember when it happened, my mouth just dropped open and I, I couldn't even think of what to say. Like, my hands went to my head. I was in full on surrender cobra position. Uh, I wanted to mention, I don't know if you saw this video on Instagram, Drew, but the Clemson football posted a video of the Tyler Brown catch. But as it happens, it like will cut to different frames and like different zoom ins of different people in the crowd as it happens. So it's just like getting all these reactions of everybody going like, like putting their hands on their head. Like it's a great video. I would, I'm, I'll, I might even put it on the screen or something uh, for everybody watching. I didn't see that one, but they also put out today similar type video, but of the broadcast booth of Don Munson and Tim. Yeah, Murray I saw that and, one. And, and yeah. That one was pretty cool, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so shout out to the Clemson video team for getting this one out. Shout out to Clemson Media. Best yeah. in the business there. Of course. Um, running back Will Shipley rushed 11 times for 77 yards with a touchdown uh, and added three receptions for 30 receiving yards. Bill Maffa, the, the star of last week's game against Notre Dame, he led Clemson in rushing this week with 96 yards on 17 carries. He also added a 19-yard reception. Bo Shifley and Maffa reached 100 yards from scrimmage in the contest. Uh, and then all four of Clemson's interceptions, as we discussed before, uh, were recorded by freshmen. Three true freshmen, Barnes, Terrell, and Lewis, and one redshirt freshman uh, in Griffin. So, um, big game. You hope the Tigers keep that momentum heading here to North Carolina, as you pointed out. Uh, it's the last time in a while prior to a South Carolina game where you got a, a contested opponent. Uh, Tigers a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Tar Heels, who were at one point in time, I believe, they were were they not in the top 10 right at 10? 
Yeah, they were in the top 10. And I mean, that kind of reminds me, this is completely unrelated. You can finish your point if you want to, but I just thought about something about how the fall of USC this season, not South Carolina, Southern Cal, uh, mm-hmm. they were like number four or five at one point this season and they're unranked now with like four losses in a row. So that one's pretty interesting. When I was looking at our picks for this week, I noticed that and saw that they had lost again last week. So, yeah, I was listening to part of my take this week and they were talking about, um, Deion Sanders has to be the biggest fan of, uh, John Harbaugh and all this going on at Michigan because the month they had last month, that was all everybody could talk about, about how they just kept dropping games and dropping games and dropping games. I haven't heard anyone bring up Colorado in weeks since this Michigan stuff has dropped. <laughs> yeah, that and they're pretty much out of all conversations now. Like maybe they'll make a bowl eligible. Maybe they'll make bowl eligibility, but they're not competing for anything significant anymore in college football. But like we've talked about on this podcast before, Colorado has talent. They have talent coming in, so they're only going to get better next yep. year. Um, a couple other things of note just around the world of college football. I can't remember if we talked about it on here before, but uh, James Madison. The fact that they're not going to be eligible for a bowl um, is astonishing. They There's like some kind of loophole with um, if enough teams don't get bowl eligible, then they can get one of the last two spots or something. They finish up the season with App State and Coastal Carolina, I believe, but they need like eight teams out of a list of 40 to become bowl eligible. Um, and then another big thing we hadn't discussed, Texas A&M. Um, I'll apply for any job if I know I can get, what, $76 million not to work there again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've seen, I I guess, I'm sure you've probably seen also a lot of names floating around out there. Like, as soon as the news dropped about the firing, message boards for Texas A&M were throwing Dabo's name out there. A lot of people want to D on, but like, I think Mississippi, or not Mississippi, Mississippi State is also in a coaching search, but Texas A&M is... Uh, they're gonna have to look a little bit lower. That's that. I don't think you're pulling. Coach Prime might leave for an SEC school at some point, but you're not pulling Davo for a college station job. Uh, he might only leave for an Alabama job. I, I don't. I don't even think Davo picks up the phone call. But hypothetical here, if Clemson does not turn it around these last two weeks, you drop a game to Notre Dame. You potentially drop a game to Georgia Tech. Things are still doom and gloom around Clemson. I mean, we're three, two, three weeks removed from Dabo making comments about the fan base and that kind of stuff. If that were the case, would Dabo be more likely to to leave for College Station? Because um, he's got it. He says fans here have an appreciation issue. Yeah, I mean, I I've been really thinking about. Co- the comments like that recently because I I didn't read the full article but I know somebody in the Clemson like beat wrote an article or had an interview with Will Shipley about his future plans and something I didn't read it but there was something in the headline that kind of mentioned that he was thinking about leaving at least or he gave like a coach speak answer that uh I can't remember word for word. I don't even know if what I'm about to say is even similar to what he said, but focused on what he's doing right now. He can't think about the the off season or whatever, something along those lines. But I don't know. I could definitely see Will Shipley transferring out uh, depending on how the last few games go, especially um, if Moffa keeps um, getting more of these yards and more of these carries. Yeah. I mean, also one thing I wanted to point out about that, Shipley interview is like there's kind of a weird dynamic going on right now with Clemson the team and fans and the media where you have fans that have very high pressure on the team right now because we're not performing have as we have become used to at this point and 
like like at Davos I said it like we have an expectation to win now and I don't think it's the fans fault because we just became accustomed to it we barely lost in the last 10 years but as of now like uh like I would I I wouldn't I could see how that could get to a player like Will Shipley like a star you know Will Shipley puts his all into the team and he cares probably way too much like unhealth to an unhealthy level about this team so uh I could see how that would rub players the wrong way when you're getting criticism from the people that are supporting you um so it's a really tough line to balance I feel like it's it's pretty interesting debate I guess are we the problem? Is Nacho's an analysis the problem? Why we're not good? Like, because we're too critical? I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more people far more critical than uh, than we are. The The nice thing about this show is um, we have quite a few days to reflect and or stew on the previous week's game. So I feel like a lot of our takes most of the time on here are not too absurd. Maybe, maybe if you catch some of our uh, tweets on game day live uh, those might be a little bit more uh... reactionary yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we got some uh, week 11 notable games Matthew put both of those in here yeah I can go I can run through them yeah Michigan Penn State like me and Drew said at the top we neither we only watched the Clemson game this week so I'm sorry about that um but we did have a couple big games happen Michigan Penn State uh that was a top 10 matchup and Michigan eked one out on the road 24-15 I know they were dominating pretty much the whole game I wonder if that's a one of those situations where Penn State ended up kind of making it close at the end because I remember seeing like a score update during the Clemson game that it wasn't really close. But uh, other game, big game in the SEC last week was Tennessee, Missouri. I personally am pretty impressed with Missouri's performance here. They dominated. It was 36 to seven final. And uh, I mean, Tennessee's talented and they've won a lot of games this year already. So they just kind of got dominated at, at the line of scrimmage there. You, so you said the final in that game was 36 to seven. Yes. So last week I almost picked that for my under. And then I was like, no, I always go with Tennessee's for over. And I was like, I don't feel confident about this hitting the over. So I uh, swayed against going with that one for my under last week. I had the same thing happen where I saw that game and I was like, Drew always picks Tennessee for the over. So I need to get some points back on him this week. So I might just pick Tennessee for the over. So I'm glad I skipped on that one. It, not that it mattered. I would have got it wrong anyway, as we'll see in a, <laughs> in a couple minutes. <laughs> but uh, something you don't want to get wrong is not having your septic tank pumped uh, regularly. So uh, I'm wearing the Pump Monkey merch today. I got the shirt and the hat on it. And everything. So, uh, shout out to Pump Monkey. They've been a loyal sponsor uh, through the Ball Talk podcast in the spring, covering baseball and softball, uh, and again this season with the college football show. Uh, they service the Upstate. They're owned and operated by Clemson alumni Alan Powell. So, if you need your septic tank pumped, if you even think you might need a pump, give them a call. Get them out there. Let them check it out. They're not going to do any unnecessary work. Um, to just charge you and pump it for the sake of pumping it. So give them a call at 864-710-2211. They're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, great company in the Clemson area. Again, phone number is 864-710-2211. When the dump's funky, call Pump Monkey. Twitter polls. All right, our Twitter poll of the week. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm hearing more and more people actually like catch on to this X thing. I just can't bring myself to say it. I, I, for me, it's still going to be Twitter. I don't know about you, Matthew, but at least for this season, it's going to be Twitter because I made this animation for this transition, and yeah. it says Twitter. So, <laughs> and it uses a bird and tweet sound. So, uh, we're calling it Twitter at least through January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you don't follow Nachos and Analysis on X, on Twitter, whatever you call it, uh, at Nachos underscore analysis, this week's quote unquote poll of the week was more of a question. 
Um, and shout out to everybody who responded. I think I put this up with like six hours of time before we were recording, uh, and we got a great response. Um, the question was, what does Clemson have to do to redeem itself in your eyes uh, for its earlier losses and mistakes these final two weeks of the regular season? Um, before we give our thoughts, we'll read through some of the listener response. Uh, and right off the bat, Gerald J., father of Matthew, it's in and says, uh, beat both Carolinas by multiple TDs. Uh, Hank Lee says, zero red zone turnovers. They can't undo the pass, but they can certainly not repeat the same mistakes that cost them at least two games this year. If Clemson take care, takes care of the little stuff and the losses to a better team and loses to a better team, then fine. But giving games away is unacceptable. Uh, Clemson Attic says, win out, uh, win at a ranked or win against a ranked UNC team, beat the rival at their place, and beat a ranked team in a decent bowl. Then use the port to be to get a big name wide receiver, whichever is the biggest name in the portal at wide receiver and O line, and approve the staff and quit hiring guys with no coaching experience. <laughs> Clemson addict went off. <laughs> yeah, he did, uh, and he had quite a people in his mentions uh, uh, discussing back and forth. Uh, Matt Diamond. Uh, said beat South Carolina and win a bowl game. Frankly, Howard just beat the Cox. That's all. That Clemson burner gets in and says, limit turnovers and take real inventory of the offensive staff, starting with O-line. That group has not been great for years, and how we mix and match guys up there isn't feasible for a long-term success. Offensive coaches need to be heavily scrutinized this offseason. Philosopher Phil gets in and says, I just hope they win out. Man, he threw a man in there. Hutch says, can't. Went out and reduced the big mistakes would help, but we are not reaching our goals, so total redemption is not feasible. Uh, I like this name here. Taco Gaming 75 says, uh, nothing will redeem those losses in my mind until we see position uh, position coaching changes. Uh, Clem Dog says, went out, and not just because the defense had to play elite. The offense needs to show huge strides of competence. Uh, I think we saw a good bit of that this week. Uh, Matthew Barish Bryant, uh, simple, just play freaking better. I don't care about winning or losing, but all the losses, the teams just stunk. No fundamentals, no discipline, and the wins mostly. Clemson had discipline uh, and played fundamentally sound football. That's all I want, just a good play on the field. A friend of the show, Ryan Cantor, gets in and says, uh, beat the Cox and learn from this season and actually pivot and change some of the philosophies. The worst thing that can happen is we lose the lose to the Cox. The second worst would be we win and think no changes are necessary because we beat a few decent teams down the stretch. Uh, and then Mark Ryan hosts uh, with the fan upstate. Um, he says, it's been bad all season. Redemption can't happen until 2024. Matthew, I see you highlighting something here in our show notes. Uh, what you got to say about Ryan's comment? I really like what Ryan said here. I think it's very well worded. Um, I really like the second point he made where the second worst thing that could happen is we beat North Carolina and South Carolina. And because we got these big wins down the stretch of Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, South Carolina, we're going to think we're headed in the right direction. But there is definitely serious uh, I think somebody else even mentioned it. There is uh, inventory that needs to be taken within our program, and uh, we need a full audit this offseason, especially of the uh, especially of the offensive side of the ball. But uh, what I did have before I get into my answer, um, I wanted to mention. You said you liked the name Taco Gaming seventy five. That reminded me. I you've probably never played Fortnite, Drew, but. Fortnite is very big right now, so maybe we'll get some extra listens by mentioning. <laughs> but uh, that's like in Fortnite, they'll like when you can't fill out a lobby, they'll like throw in AI bots in there just like that are easy kills. But they all have names like this Taco Gaming 75, where it's like a noun, a verb, and a two digit number. So, like, when I first <laughs> saw Taco Gaming 75, I just thought it was a bot. <laughs> 
<laughs> Very well could be. <laughs> but I agree most with Hank Lee here. Um, zero red zone turnovers is the biggest thing. I think the last two weeks we've been 100% in the red zone, which is honestly the biggest reason why we've won the last two weeks. And it hasn't been like the beginning of the season where like Duke, where we're outpacing them in every offensive statistic except for points. So uh, I like what he said about you can't undo the past, but you can't, but you certainly can not repeat the same mistakes. Uh, I think that's that's a big big point of emphasis for me going into these last few weeks of the season. I know it didn't go as we wanted, but uh, I mean, when you continue to do the same things over and over again, and you can't expect different results. Yeah, absolutely. I think a big thing with redeeming this season, and and you can't fully redeem it. We've we've saw a lot of bad football. Um, at the hands of some really talented players. I mean, we, we forget sometimes how talented this this roster is and just mistake after mistake that you just keep shooting yourself in the foot. Um, I think one thing you have to do, you cannot lose to South Carolina. That, I mean, as bad as they are this year, um, that washes away all of this goodwill that the Tigers have built up the last two weeks and that losing two years in a row to South Carolina, especially the way that you lost it last year, not running the ball turnovers and then going to their place this year with the season they've had uh, uh, to win that game. I obviously I think that Clemson should, or if they win three, it'll be a, a great turnaround. Uh, but I'm going to be a little more reasonable because, as we've said, we, we're not going to any more games this year uh, with any expectations. Um, so I think two of three to, to finish out the season, your two regular season games and your bowl game, as long as one of those wins is a win against South Carolina. Um, but a lot of people bring up a lot of valid points. I, I too, don't want to get to the point where Clemson does finish 3-0 and to wrap up the year, and we don't see the changes that we know and have seen uh, that need to, be, need to be changed around the program. Yeah, exactly. Fact or fiction? All right, fact or fiction number one, Drew still has not reached out to the potential sponsor for the fact or fiction segment. Yeah, I'll let you answer that one first because if I answer first, uh, that'll give it away. (laughs) Well, I'm going to say fact because, well, mostly because we've both had very busy weeks and Drew always only remembers this task during the segment and then i think as soon as we leave the segment it leaves your mind (laughs) i do think i actually brought it up at the game this past week too didn't i yeah actually (laughs) so i guess you thought of it one other time (laughs) i thought about it twice this week but that was it uh so uh yes fact uh, drew still did not reach out to a potential sponsor for this segment um at this point we got uh two games left in the regular season in our postseason bowl episode so um, I think the thought of a sponsor might be uh, uh, not possible. I, I was going to throw out to you, I still have uh, the lovely Clem Sucks shirt that uh, <laughs> we got from the Spurs Up show uh, last year that I had to wear for my punishment. So if all else fails, um, the Clemson-Carolina game is at home on Sunday this, this season, and uh, I might can get you up in the Cajun Cafe if you want to wear that shirt. I don't know if the Cajun Cafe will let me in there in that shirt, but uh, <laughs> I guess I, I, mis, I misworded the question. I worded it as this segment, but I meant the next segment that we're going to do the Pick'em Contest. So, Oh, yes. Um, yes, true. But, yeah, I uh, I texted... We'll get into it a little bit more, but I had a really bad week in the Pick'em Contest, and I texted Drew this weekend and said that I'm really having to like mentally come to terms with the national championship prediction tattoo like it was a great idea in the beginning of the season but now that it's me i'm really having to think about it (laughs) well i mean to be 
to be fair, um, Matthew could have highlighted all my games as red as if I missed all of them because, like we said at the top, I didn't watch any football this week. I did not go back and fact check them, but based on my results this week, I don't think he did that. So, um, uh, next factor fiction. I, I haven't gotten a confirmation on this. I've seen this on. I think it got confirmed this morning, actually. Did it? Okay. Uh, a buddy of mine from South Carolina who works there, he told me that it was definite, but un- until uh, this morning, I guess I hadn't really seen anything definitive. So, fact or fiction, former President Donald Trump attending Clemson, South Carolina game next week only proves it's the best rivalry in college football. Uh, I don't think this has anything to do with it, but yeah, it is. Fact, it is the best rivalry in college football college sports maybe in general because we have a very healthy baseball rivalry also um maybe even more healthy than the football one that one's more back and forth but uh i don't think donald trump attending this game has anything to do with (laughs) how big this rivalry game is i think it's a it's a political move to try and show nikki haley who runs the state (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to say fiction here, um, but probably for a different reason. Um, Taking the orange cover glasses off here, um, there are far better rivalries in college football than Clemson, South Carolina. I love the rivalry, um, but uh, you can't put it on top of the Iron Bowl and uh, Ohio State, Michigan, and some of those. So uh, I'm going to say fiction there. Um, This will be kind of weird. Um, I, I have to. We ha- I guess we'll have to go back and look. As far as I know, I don't think a president has attended a Clemson game. I think it. Uh, we read it out as a stat a couple of weeks ago. Might have been the Miami game. Might have been a different. Oh yeah, Vice President Nixon. Yeah, right? he was Vice President. But as far as I know, I don't know that there's ever been a, a president, current or former, attend a Clemson game. I'd imagine if it's um, confirmed or whatever, Tim Bray will let us know on. Twitter or X about that one. Yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, fact or fiction, last one. This is uh, I I wrote this one because there's a very de- like a very lively debate going on on Twitter as we speak right now. Running down the hill was better with balloons. Well, I'll give a I'll give a shout out. Uh, the person who started this conversation on Twitter is Johnny Carrots. He's a pretty big Twitter account. So if you're following us on Twitter, you're probably following him too. But a uh, shout out to him. And I know like Ryan Cantor was getting in on that, uh, getting in on that conversation also. So shout out to them. I'll say that running down the hill is a shell of what it used to be. It used to be a million times better. First, first and foremost, they eliminated a lot of people from the hill. Like, when a player runs down the hill now, they're still nowhere close to – they're still at least 10 feet away from a fan. Uh, they got them so spread out uh, out there. Dabo only lets two go down at a time. Remember back in the Tommy Bowden days when they had the blue carpet and the team was halfway down the down the hill before they the cannon even fired? Uh, and, and you throw the balloons in there. Um it's still a special tradition, and I agree. I'm going to say fact. It was better with balloons, and it was better in general about 10 to 15 years ago. Okay. I I could get on board with the maybe better in general 10 to 15 years ago because of that. I know like they reduced hill seating, and they just took space away from the hill uh, with some stadium renovations and such, but uh, I think I'm going fiction on running down the hill was better with balloons. I think... Especially the conversation I was reading on Twitter, I think it's way overblown of how important the balloons were. Like, yeah, it was a cool spectacle to see, you know, like a thousand balloons going up in the air, but uh, it's not really worth it because of the environmental impacts of the balloons. And I, I, I don't like that a lot of Clemson fans just overlook that and like be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, who cares if a duck chokes on this deflated rubber balloon or something? But there's a thousand of them so there's a thousand ducks choking on these balloons <laughs> i will say i don't i don't know how long it takes them to break down but for the towards the end of the the lifetime of the tradition of the balloons 
they were using a biodegradable balloon. Now, I don't know how long it takes it to, to break down. If I mean, I'm sure a duck could choke on it before it got <laughs> to that point. So. I mean, uh, I, I was just throwing a duck as a random animal out there. <laughs> well, I like how you differentiated because usually it's about the turtles. So uh, um, I like ducks. They're pretty animals. They taste good. We stopped using plastic straws a couple of years ago, so the ducks are, I mean, yeah. the turtles are fine now. <laughs> yeah, the ducks need to get a better PR team. Uh, uh, they need to reach out to the turtles people. So, um, all right, let's uh, recap week 11. Matthew kind of alluded to it in last segment. Uh, we'll just rip the Band-Aid right off. Uh, Matthew went 0-4. I went 4-0. Uh, and if you've been following along the last couple of weeks, um, I've been on a tear. Um, so uh, the season totals currently, uh, I have 27 points, Matthew with 18. Um, I'm still not comfortable. I'm still not comfortable. We still got our preseason picks, which I went back and looked when I was making these show notes. Um, you and I are essentially alive with there's two we're, we're both eligible for about two points uh we're kind of in the same boat with the picks that we gave out if my math was correct so um that one may not come into play quite as much uh, but we do have a big bowl season with lots of picks to give out so um my nine point lead is not giving me uh a ton of satisfaction i'm head head down nose to the grindstone i'm gonna keep on doing what i do yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think last season I was down three, two to three points heading into bowl season and made up that. And I think I won on national championship week is like that was the deciding factor. So I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty close. I was like looking at this when I sent Drew on Saturday when I updated this and I sent him that I was 0-4 and, and Oregon USC was still going on, but he was 3-0 and at that point. I was like, I've I've been considering giving up. Like, But, I mean, your comment about our preseason picks doesn't make me feel any happy, but I'm hoping if bowl season gives me a run and preseason picks help me out a little bit. I have a chance still, but I'm not feeling very confident right now. I've not changed my strategy on picks either. I'm just throwing ones out there still. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you want to talk about any of these games, or are you ready to just wash it clean and move on to Week 12? No, I don't want to think about them at all. Um, Unless you want to talk about going 4-0 on your picks, I'm good to get into this week's. Nah, I'm going to be humble and I'll, I'll move on. <laughs> um, actually, before we get into our picks this week, I had a random trivia question I wanted to ask you. Uh, it's a little tough, so I can give you some hints if you need, but I just saw this on Twitter, turned it into a, a trivia question. Brett McMurphy posted on Twitter that in the college football playoff era, which started in 2014, so nine years now. Um, damn, that's been a long time. But... Uh, only seven teams have ever been ranked number one in a college football playoff poll. Who are the seven teams? Oh, the oddball is Mississippi State. Yeah, they um, actually are not the least. Yeah, they were like, what, three or four weeks? Three, yeah. Maybe three weeks. Um, you have, obviously, Clemson, Alabama, LSU, um, Georgia, we include Mississippi State there. How many is that? Five? Um, yes, five. Mm, I feel like I'm missing one more obvious one. Um, Michigan? No, Michigan has not been ranked number one. Is there an odd? Is there a more? Is there one similar to Mississippi State that's more recent? Yes. It was last Sunday year. This team was ranked number one for one week last year, and that's the only week they've ever been ranked number one in the CFP. Gosh, I'm gonna be so mad whenever you say this because I I remember I remember reading something about this not too long ago. I'm gonna go ahead and wave the white flag and admit defeat. What were the, what are the last two? Okay, so the one I was trying to give you there was Tennessee. 
Uh, they were in the oh, in the yeah. first poll last year. They were number one because they had a bunch of good wins and undefeated. But then I think they lost like three of the last four. Um, the one you missed, I'm kind of surprised you missed this one. Ohio State. Uh, they have five weeks. For some reason, I was I was trying to remember. For some reason, I was thinking that I mean they were always there up in the top four, especially around that time that Clemson was. But I couldn't remember if they were ever ranked number one. Uh, yeah. All right. I mean that is a tough one, but. Uh, yeah, in order, Bama twenty four polls that they've been ranked number one. Georgia number thir- or they have thirteen. Clemson has eight. Ohio State has five. LSU has three. Mississippi State also has three, and Tennessee one. All right. So Clemson and Georgia have the same amount of national championships during that span. Clemson far less time at number one. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, we can go ahead and get into our picks this week. Hopefully it's going to be a lot better for me. Picking kind of just a pick game for my first pick in the ACC. It is Louisville at Miami. They're only a one-point favorite right now on the road. Uh, I think Louisville's a pretty talented team, and they'll come out with that one. Oh, that line must have changed. So they're that, was on, that was this morning, at least, that it was one. Okay, because um, I picked that game for a different one. We'll we'll give out our picks here and then maybe decide how we want to handle it after the fact. Okay. Because I have it at a different line. Um, my favorite uh, going out west uh, to the Big 12, I'm going with um, Oklahoma State. If I can find my button to highlight this here. Um, Oklahoma State is a seven-point favorite on the road at Houston. Um I think Oklahoma State wins by two touchdowns. Hopefully not, but uh, for my underdog, I am going to uh, the Big Ten. This is Rutgers. They're a 20-and-a-half-point underdog at Penn State this week. Penn State had a rough loss last week. Rutgers has a really good defense, so I think Rutgers is going to be able to hang in that game more than uh, Vegas is predicting. All right, so here is where our conflict is because as of like 11.30 this morning on, what is today, Wednesday, uh, Louisville was a half-point underdog on the road at Miami. Um, I guess we can do You want to just stick with each of our lines? I think we've had a similar situation in the past, and I believe we had it was me where I had the higher line. I think we let whoever had the higher line come down to the closer line. And so I can just bring my favorite pick to Louisville minus a point and a half or minus 0.5. And then you can keep your Miami at point. No, you, you would have to, you would have to take Miami minus half a point and I would have to do uh, Louisville. Oh, so the line switched completely where Louisville yeah, was like, favored when, earlier this morning and now Miami's favored. Yes. Oh. Yes. They were initially favored uh, and then the line has since moved. Oh, well, I guess that isn't the same as what we've had previously. So um, that's what that's that's interesting. <laughs> I'm fine. I think you mentioned I'm fine with just leaving it as is. And just pretty much leaving it as a pick'em of whoever wins that game gets a point for us. If you're, so you want to just make it a pick'em? Yeah, I'm fine with that. If okay. you are, all right. I well, if it is a pick'em, then we both win, and Louisville yeah. wins, then we both win. Oh well, all right, that works for me. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna write that here so I so we remember. Okay. All right, I am uh, going to move on for my over. Staying in the ACC again, I'm going uh, Duke at Virginia. They are, uh, that's plus or minus 47 right now. Duke does have a really good defense, and Virginia struggles a lot. But Virginia's gotten a little hot as the season has gone on. Not hot, but not cold, I guess. <laughs> um, so uh going to pick that one over 47. I am going to the Pac-12, uh, Washington at Oregon State, um, Penix versus DJU over under at 63 and a half. Both of these t- teams, uh, specifically Washington, has put up 
some points this year. Um, so I'm going for the over in this game. All right. And lastly, for under, I am going out west. I'm not staying up for this game, but uh, UCLA at USC right now is plus or minus 60, 65 and a half, excuse me. Um, USC, we talked about it earlier. They are not in a good spot right now where their team is. So uh, I think they hit the under last week too. So let's make it two in a row. I am going to uh, the other Death Valley for this pick. Um, Georgia State travels to Baton Rouge. The over-under set at 71.5. LSU, not the the strong defense that they have had in years past. However, um, I think they're going to be able to really keep Georgia State in check. Um, And obviously that high-flying offense with LSU – uh, they can put up some points, but I think they're going to dominate this game and stifle uh, Georgia State. Yeah, 71 and a half is a lot for that game. Yeah. All right, let's preview uh, the final home game uh, this coming Saturday. North Carolina and Mac Brown travel to Clemson, South Carolina. The Tigers lead the overall series 39 to 19 with one tie. Uh, Clemson leads the series uh, 19-7 at home. The last time these two teams met was in the ACC Championship uh, last year. Um, Fax and Childress and I had the, uh, the the cool opportunity to watch that game from the field level there. Uh, Tigers won that one 39-10. That was when Dabo uh, benched DJU, brought in Kate Klubnik, and um, uh, the rest is history as far as uh, the quarterback here at Clemson. Uh, The Tigers have a five-game win streak against the Tar Heels, uh, and the Tar Heels are 8-2 on the season, 4-2 in conference play. They're just one game behind Louisville uh, in the conference race to see who will play Florida State in the ACC championship this year. Uh, I was telling Matthew earlier this week, I uh, um, earlier in the year applied for an ACC media um, credential for the championship game. Uh, Clemson is not in that game, but uh, I guess I will be going watching to see whoever Florida State is playing uh, this year at the ACC championship. Uh, the Tigers are attempting to improve to 30-12 and 12 against AP Top 25 teams in the college football playoff area. Uh, Clemson will become only the fourth program to win 30 games against ranked opponents in that span. They would join Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia. Uh, A few of those teams we just talked about a minute ago with Matthew's trivia question. Uh, The Tigers are attempting to throw for at least four touchdown passes in back-to-back games for the first time since 2018 against Florida State and Louisville. Safety Khalil Khalil Barnes is entering the game as the only freshman Clemson player in the Dabo Sweeney era to record multiple forced fumbles and multiple interceptions in a freshman season. Jake Brenningsoul, uh, who has caught 37 passes this season, is sitting just three receptions shy of posting his first 40-catch campaign by a Clemson tight end since Jordan Leggett did it with 46 catches uh, all the way back in 2016. Defensive tackle Tyler Davis is making his uh, 50th career start. Uh, to become the first defensive player in Clemson history to start 50 career games. He will join uh, uh, punter Will Spires, who had 69 starts, offensive tackle Mitch Hyatt with 57, uh, kicker B.T. Potter with 54, and kicker Chandler Catanzaro with 52 as the only players in school history to start 50 career games. That one kind of surprised me that we've never had a defensive player start 50 games. Uh, And the the final thing of note, Clemson has uh, scored at least 39 points in four of its last five games against North Carolina. A 59-38 Clemson win in 2011, a 50-35 win in 2014. Uh, If I remember correctly, that was the year that Deshaun Watson uh, went off against the Tar Heels with five touchdown passes. First career start was Deshaun Wiggins in that game. They broke, I think, like a freshman record at Clemson. For like six passing touchdowns in that game. Crazy. For some reason, I was sitting on the visitor side upper deck for that game. I don't I don't oh, know why. That's weird. I remember I went on the field after that game because uh one of one of the somebody I went to high school with, he was the quarterback of my team uh my freshman year in high school, was on the roster at North Carolina that year. So we went and I have a picture with him 
after that game, but I was going to mention um, of the stat, you haven't finished going over the games, but of the stat, the only game, do you know the game we had didn't score 39 points against North Carolina in? Um, I remember reading it earlier today, and I can't remember. Oh, it was when we were on the road there, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe it was 2019, and we we kind of had, or Mac Brown made the decision to go for the win instead of the overtime, and we stopped him on the two-point conversion to win by one. So uh, Barely I believe, stopped him on the two-point conversion. I think conversion. that was 21 <laughs> to 20 or something, uh, so that's yeah. the last time. Yeah, uh, so been a lot of good matchups. Two two of these last matchups came in ACC championship games. Uh, that first of which uh, was a little bit closer uh, than last season's ACC championship victory. Um, so you got a team kind of on an opposite tra- trajectory that Clemson is. They started the season off were as high as the top ten in the polls and they've kind of they, they've dropped a couple games however they still have a lot to play for a victory here is huge for them it keeps them in the race um with louisville for the acc championship um what are your thoughts heading into this game i don't really have that many um since i've changed my expectations for the year i don't like like making predictions or even I haven't even had like a gut feeling going into a game. I am feeling pretty confident about this. I know North Carolina's offense is really good. Drake May is maybe the most talented quarterback in the conference. So that's a little scary. I'm also really worried about how we're going to match up with Tez Walker. Uh, I know Drake May and Tez Walker, like that's the strength of the North Carolina team. But the strength of our team on defense is the secondary, which is who's matching up against those guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I could very well see us getting burnt a lot, but I'm trusting in our secondary and what I've seen on the field from them so far. And they've given me no doubt that we're going to be able to keep Walker in check this week. Yeah, no, I I agree. I'm excited to watch that matchup with, with Walker and May and secondary at Clemson uh, Wiggins went off last year in that ACC championship game. Um, and sorry to cut you off, but I've seen that Barrett Carter is day to day at this point and is like a game time decision for the North Carolina game. That's not a secondary player, but big help in the middle of the field, stopping the run. If we are able to get BC back. Absolutely. Um, like you, I'm sticking with going into this game with no expectations. Um, I'm just looking forward to one more final day in Death Valley uh, to wrap up the season. Um, it's been a crazy season, um, but um, I think the Tigers will ride this momentum. Yeah, I I, I agree. I was just going to say that uh, that we are going to get our only night game type atmosphere this weekend since it's a 3:30 kickoff. And sunsets at five fifteen nowadays. So, uh, second half is going to be lights on and LEDs going. So, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so it's funny because we've had all these day games, uh, but they still have the light show going on. And the only way you actually see it is if you physically look up at the light. So, and think about that. So, we'll get a little uh, nighttime uh, fourth quarter video. Yeah. All right, any score prediction this week? I will be honest, I forgot to make a score prediction until we started talking about this North Carolina game. So the only game I've gotten really close to picking the correct score on was the NC State game, and I just picked that one from the show notes. So I'm doing that again. I'm picking the record of Clemson's record against North Carolina, 39-19. to uh, Clemson take coming away with the win. That would have to be a score agami if that's the case. I would think so, but we we have to reach out to Tim Bure or I know Austin Pender, just Pendergeist, whatever his name is, keeps up with score agamis too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would uh, that'd be an interesting one, but I would like that outcome. Back to back twenty plus point uh, victories 
uh, would be uh, big for this team, especially against a North Carolina team. They only favored uh, six and a half points on. Um, I'm going a little bit closer. Uh, I got the Tigers winning 34 uh, to 27. Uh, so I do have them covering by half a point there. Yeah, I, I, I think it is going to be a lot closer than the 20 points that I picked, but I did think that the Georgia Tech game was going to be a lot closer than the 21 points it ended up being. So uh, I'm kind of sticking with the momentum. And since I've been going into games without expectations, I've been pleasantly surprised by the clubs and offense each week. So uh, I'm going to hope that that continues. Yep. And depending on what happens in this game and the Louisville Miami game, uh, we might have a lot more to talk about as far as uh conference championship game next week. So uh, that is today's show. Thank you all again for joining us. Um, join us next week as we review the North Carolina game and preview the big rivalry game against South Carolina. Peace. Peace. Peace.